Coaches, how's it going? Thank you for checking out Keep Your Pads Down. We are a podcast devoted to defensive line play, and I am so glad you're tuned in. You know, my favorite ways to get guests for this podcast is by referrals. I like to ask around and talk to coaches that I trust. And when I was doing that, today's guest kept coming up over and over as a guy I needed to talk to. So I am thrilled to have Coach Mike O'Gwen, defensive line graduate assistant coach at Texas Tech University, on the podcast to talk some ball with us today. Coach O'Gwen grew up in Missouri City, Texas, and played high school football for his dad at Fort Bend Marshall and then Van Vleck High School before going to Southern Methodist University to play nose guard for the Mustangs, where he was a double major, but more about that in a few minutes. After college, Coach O'Gwen began coaching at John Tyler High School in Tyler, Texas, and he moved on to Angleton High School and finally headed to Galena Park, North Shore, all of which should sound familiar to you if you've been listening to this podcast. It was at North Shore where Coach O'Gwen spent the last few seasons winning a 6A Division I state championship before making the jump to Texas Tech in January. So today we're going to talk to Coach O'Gwen about his transition from high school D-line coach to Texas Tech GA, defending tempo, pass rush, run fits, and lessons he's learned during his first semester out in Lubbock. So here we go. Let's get started with Coach OG, Mike O'Gwen. All right, Coach O'Gwen, so when asking around about guys I should have on this podcast, you came highly recommended by more than a couple coaches, so it's an honor to have you on today talking with us. Oh, man, I appreciate it to be on. Uh, I know those guys probably talked me up some, man. I'm just a, just a high school ball coach, man. We've been blessed to be around some good guys and around some good situations, but uh, I'm glad to be on as well. Anytime I can talk D-line play, man, I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, yeah, well, well Coach, you grew up in the, uh, in the Houston area, and the son of a football coach. So tell us about what that was like growing up as a as a football coach's son. Uh, it, it was great. You know, my dad, you know, he coached all the way up, you know, from freshman ball to he was eventually a head coach. I've always played for him. He was an offensive guy. I was a defensive lineman. So, uh, it, it, you know, it was a good contrast. I got to learn the, you know, offensive side of the ball so I could understand how offenses were trying to attack me. Yeah. You know, just by being around him, seeing his, his – Meetings, watching this film, you know, being in the fifth, sixth, seventh grade, coming up to the playhouse all the time, you know, meeting, meeting some of the players, you know, looking up to them and just seeing how he operates, you know, and how you're supposed to handle yourself as, as, as a coach and leader of young men. That was that was key and, and me growing up, you know, it's always something I want to do. I I've always been around it, and so it's been like second nature to me, you know, just watching watching him with some other guys, you know, that he worked with, uh, you know, coaching work throughout the years. You mentioned that uh, your dad was an offensive guy, and he sort of helped you understand how offenses were trying to attack you. I, I'm, I'm curious, did you and your dad ever sort of get the, the, the competitive juices flowing during practice when, when offense is going versus defense? Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, probably my freshman sophomore year, more so my sophomore year, because I was a you know he was the OC uh, at Fort Bend Marshall, and I was a sophomore defensive lineman. We used to get after it uh, some, but once my junior senior year came, he was the uh, the head coach at Van Vleck, a small toy school, and I played both ways. So, so it wasn't as much, uh, you know, trash talking there. But yeah, that sophomore year, you know, just trying to, you know, you know, push me and and earn, have he, you know, him him wanting me to earn my spot on varsity and, and, and prove that you know I'm not just a coaching kid. I'm a uh, you know a good player. And we had some competition there. That's probably when he got the most competitive. 
I'm sure he never called any traps or anything trying to get you and make sure you're paying attention, uh, anything like that. But... Oh, yeah. No, nah, <laughs> nah, he never did. But it's funny you mentioned trap. I was just thinking about that. About last game of my senior year, and I didn't think about it, it was probably to like a year later, just thinking about it. Uh, we were playing Ty Haven, and I was killing them in the first half. They couldn't block me in the second half. I kept getting hit from the side by the guard, and I could never figure out. I'm like, man, what are they doing? I think about a year later, they was trapping me the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I didn't figure it out to later. Yeah. I mean, why, why, could I, why, why was I making – I was making a play for, you know, no game, not to get three yards. I'm like, man, they trapped me. I'm getting hit by the guard every play. Yeah. They was trapping me. Let yeah. me go. Hit me from the side. That's, that's funny yeah. you mentioned that. Well, I'll tell you what, every defensive lineman has, has felt that and uh, it can relate to that for sure. So from you graduated from Van Vleck and went on uh, to uh, SMU to play there. Talk about that experience. What was that like? Oh, that was a great experience. I had you know, some bigger offers, you know, some Final Five offers. At the time, that wasn't really a big thing. I know uh, SMU was a good school. I came down to them at Stanford. I ended up choosing SMU because it was in Texas and it was closer. It was far enough away from home. Where I could be my own man and close enough if I need to get back, I just hop on 45 to get back. Uh, but that was a great experience, man. Some of my best friends came from SMU. I got to, you know, early enroll, came up in the spring of what would have been my uh, second semester of my senior year, which is more common now, but I was the only, you know, it wasn't very common when I came out in 2010. And just got to be around, you know, some, some good players, some good coaches, learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes as a freshman. So I try to tell my kids now I made a lot of mistakes. You know, came in, played, you know, in, in, in majority of the games as a freshman. Uh, had some success, played the most of all the two freshmen uh, at SMU. Then I, unfortunately, I got hurt uh, toward my left ACA, MCA, SCL, and meniscus at the same time in the spring of my true freshman year. And then we registered that next year and ended up getting put on medical. So I really got to get into the coaching side, student, you know, student assisting kind of uh, those last two years. And that really piqued my interest in the, in the college coaching with those two years. But it was a great experience. I, I, I double majored, got two degrees, took advantage of every opportunity that I had when it came to my education and playing ball. I wouldn't trade that experience for the world. Wow, Coach, that, that, that is impressive. Uh, two degrees and to, to really embrace your injury like that and to see it as an opportunity to help yourself get a jump start on coaching. So I'm curious with those two degrees, what were your two degrees? Uh, I did history. And uh, applied physiology and sports management with oh, my wow. two, two degrees as an undergrad. Wow. Well, so was your plan always then to coach, or were you going to use those degrees in some other way? What, what was your plan in college? So my plan, you know, back up a little bit before I got to college, I always wanted to be a broadcast journalist. I always did, you know, see myself wanting to be on Sports Center. I love to talk. You know, I love people. I feel like I'm a people person. I always wanted to do that. I had to switch gears because all the broadcast journalism classes in college they were offered during times when we practiced, so I couldn't I couldn't do that, and I was thrilled about that. But I've always loved history. My dad was a history teacher. Uh, I got a very good memory, and all history is, in my opinion, is you know you just got to be able to remember and apply right. memorization. Right. And I, I excelled at that, and I, I took some sports management classes, and I really liked them—the the marketing side and the event management side of how uh, you know teams operate and function, and how you know you you make it, you put your brand out there, expand your brand. Those really took took my piqued my interest, and then I ended up just you know just focusing on that you know as well instead of taking elective classes, I just concentrated those elective towards you know one specific area, and then getting a, uh, another major. So that's that's how that ended up happening. Wow, 
Well, that is uh, – I'm sure there's not many coaches that you've run into that have double majored in the first place and then, and then had both of those as, as their double major. So that's, uh, that's very interesting to say the least. Coach, uh, after SMU, uh, you jumped into, jumped into high school coaching. Where did you, where'd you begin? Uh, I, be, I began at, at John Tyler High School in Tyler, Texas. Uh, you know, East Texas, one of my teammates, Jeremy Johnson, he's a receiver at SMU. He was from Tyler. Uh, you know, he put me in contact with the head coach. I thought I was going to get a GA job at SMU. It, it didn't pan out. So it's like June, uh, June early July. Went down there and interviewed with the head coach now, who was still there, Rick Holmes. Hit it off, and he uh, offered me the opportunity to come up and be a freshman offensive line, defensive line coach. And that, that was probably one of the best choices that I made early on in my career is wanting to work for him and his staff. Uh, it was a great experience. So what did you learn there starting your career there? Uh, you said you're a freshman coach. What were some things that you uh, that you learned? Well, I learned how to work. You know, learn how to put the you know put time in, and and it, and it humbled me and it got me, uh, you know, working with you know understanding and working with kids, which is different different than college. But I, mean, I had I had you know a couple of varsity offers in San Antonio, and you know when you come out of hospital, you think oh varsity varsity you want to be a varsity coach. My dad, some of the best advice I got on early in my career, he was like, man, you can't just get caught up in the varsity title. You want to get around good coaches so you can learn how to work. And that was one of the best decisions I made to come and work with some guys like Keith Guthrie, who was a, a you know a legend at A and M, you know, uh, Blake Barry Anderson at, at uh, the DC at Tyler, Rick Mahomes, man, just got there, learned how to work. You know, we put in time working on those Saturdays, those long nights, those Sundays, putting in the time, not cutting, not cutting corners, and working with the freshmen. It, it showed, it, it gave me some patience. Oh yeah, and for you sure. You ever worked with freshmen before? And freshmen, some days they'll act like, you know, they're seniors to be mature as they say. They'll act like they're supposed to be in the fifth grade. So you really got to learn how to teach and talk to kids and understand them, counsel them, love them, be tough on them. All, it, all the whole, you know, the whole fresh wheel of emotions and dealing with kids. I mean, you learn dealing with freshmen. And it just gives you a whole new perspective uh, of everything. And, and just learning that, stepping back, learning how to work, learning from some guys and, and, and that was probably the biggest thing I learned from them was how to work uh, in talent. Yeah, well, Coach, that's great advice that you got from your dad. And, and I've had a handful of guys on now who uh, a lot of them did start out at the junior high or the freshman level, and every one of them has said mm-hmm. the same thing, that, that it, it humbled them, and that but that they appreciated their time there because they did. They learned how to work. They learned from those older guys. They learned how to be great teachers because you have to be a great teacher when you're teaching a kid who really didn't know how to put his pads on, much less block somebody. Uh, or run a right route. Exactly. So I think that's that's invaluable experience and great advice for young guys uh, to not chase the title or chase the varsity position, but just find a place where you can get around great coaches and be in a great environment. You moved on from John Tyler and went to Angleton. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That's correct. So at Angleton, which is another powerhouse in the Houston area, and then from there uh, to, to Galena Park, North Shore. And there's been a lot of talk for, about Galena Park, North Shore on this podcast uh, in the last few weeks as I've had some guys on here who either played them or who are, are, are coaching there. So talk about your experience at Galena Park, North Shore, 2015 state championship, and then, this, of course, this past year, played a perfect season, and then and then also be awarded the Max Preps National Championship. So talk about this past season and what that was like there at North Shore. Okay, the past season was great. Um, you know, I, I came to North Shore in, for the 2017 season after I left Angleton. 
Uh, you know, I was blessed. Coach Ward in Angleton took a, uh, a chance on the young coach. Never coached varsity, fresh out of college. Got me on. Coach K kind of did the same thing. You know, I was 24, 25 at the time I took the job, and that's that's a big time job. You know, um, and for him, you know, to have the confidence in me, believe I was doing a good job, man, it was key. Coming into the season, you know, we had a lot of guys coming back. A lot of guys had some experience, and we knew we would be, uh, you know, pretty good. You know, we didn't know how good we could be early on. You know, we were just beating people so bad, and you're like, are we that good? Or maybe the other teams are not that good, so you play that cat-and-mouse game, man. But there were so many emotions uh, throughout the season. Great leaders uh, from, from Coach K. Man, Coach K, I see why, you know, he's won two championships in, in four or five years, and that guy is a class act, you know, all the way top down. He's a guy, you know, started in the middle school, working his way all the way to head coach. And, you know, just, you know, him, you know, he doesn't micromanage you, let you let you do your own thing. I had a great group of D-linemen, all four of them seniors, all four of them, were, you know, were hungry. Uh, we came in, you know, week one, played in Katie. You know, they, we had that game circled from the year before because they, they beat us down in the fourth round of the playoffs. Yeah. It was like we stole something. So <laughs> we wanted to come out, something to prove that game. Then we played another a good Ridge Point team. Um, you know, beat them, play Westfield, who had beat us the year before. Uh, we wanted, you know, and wanted to get, you know, get back with those guys. You know, those those guys are good every year. And then we went through our district schedule, and, and we just went, you know, first round. Dolby, another good program with another good coach. Dickinson, another good program, another good coach. We played Katie. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Again, and then we played Southfair, defending state champions in the fourth round. Then we get to uh, Lake Travis, one loss Lake, Lake Travis in the fifth round, and we're, and we're moving and our momentum is going. Then we get to Duggarville and, and watching those guys on tape, man. Coach Simple did a great job, and those guys were some straight straight dudes. And, uh, man, we got to them back and forth contests all game. The defensive, we, we didn't play our best game, but one thing about that came show, man, our kids and the resilience they had, man, those kids, you know, battle so much. Uh, throughout the years, throughout the season, the off season, one thing I like to say about those kids, and I, I used to tell them, and they, they thought I was just playing with them, but I've been in programs, and I, I, I kind of know what it is. Those kids do, uh, man, a lot of kids around the state can't do what those kids do day, day in, day out, you know, in the season, the off season, with you know, with the with the workout schedule they have, and and the physically demanding the nature of playing in North Shore, those kids handled it great. And, and when we came to that last drive, man, it was it's funny, you know, it's not cliche, you know, it we weren't weren't I was never worried about what was gonna happen, man, because this is something that we had prepared for. We practiced we too many situations multiple times throughout the week. Um, the Hail Mary, you know, you know, people want to say that's luck, but I'm I'm a believer in uh luck is when preparation meets opportunity. We yeah. worked that Hail Mary drill. Coach Gas and that offense worked that that was in our kick the game script the day before the game. Worked it every, every day, every day, and it, and it finally paid off, man. And that was just, uh, man, just to see that season finish like that. You know, I had been, you know, far out there to the fifth round at John Tyler, fourth round at Angleton, fourth round before at North Shore. But to get to the, uh, to the last week of the season, man, see all your hard work pay off, it, it was amazing. It was amazing. That I would say that season was meant to be. We went through uh, the whole year where everybody who started week one started in week 16. Didn't have anybody really get hurt, you know, in our starting group. And, it, you know, it was just a perfect storm of, uh, of things uh, that, that happened for us to, you know, take home that uh, that, that national championship, state championship. 
Uh, that's a season I, I'll never forget. Yeah, Coach. I mean, that's an experience that a lot of coaches will never be able to to experience. And, and for you to be able to to have that experience at such a young age and such a uh, uh, and just be at such a great school, that's that is a uh, truly a blessing for you to be able to to experience that. So you moved on from you, you've now you've since moved on from North Shore, and now you're the uh, defensive line graduate assistant at Texas Tech. So talk about that. Was co- coaching in college always a goal? Yes, it coaching in college has always been a dream of mine. You can ask any of my players I've coached. I let them know. I say, hey, uh, I told my guys at North Shore, I said, no, I'm, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to leave unless two things happen. Unless Coach K fire me or I get me a college job. I'm not leaving unless like, one of those two things happen. And I got me a college job. That's it's always been one of my dreams uh, to coach in college. I just love the recruiting, the travel, you know, uh, just, you know, football all day, um, all the time. Um, that transition, uh, Coach Wells offered me an opportunity to come up, and I jumped on him and was in contact with Coach K the whole time. He was happy for me. He was excited for me. He knew it was something that I always wanted to do. And I tell my kids all the time, if you got a dream, you got to taste it. And, and all the kids were happy. They were upset that I was leaving, but they were happy I was chasing my dream. Uh, it's something I always want to do, man. I hope it's not the, the end for me. I hope it's something the beginning when it comes down to coaching in college, because that's my passion. I, I, I love it. And every day I get up in the morning, man, I, I get excited. I, I don't feel like I'm working at all. I just feel like I'm, get, I'm getting to have fun and be around a great group of guys uh, when I come up here in GA. All right, so, Coach, talk to me about uh, what advice would you give other young high school coaches who are wanting to break into the college level uh, and become a GA? How, what's the best way to do that? I would say work camps. You know, it's tougher now with these new rules where you can't work camps. Right. And I did, like, my first two years, and they had the rule where you couldn't go to clinics, communicate with coaches, and do some free time when the college coach come on your campus, talk to them, take your kids places, get on college campuses. I mean, I, I can tell you, man, I've drove kids 16 hours to Georgia to go work a camp. I've drove kids 17 hours to Ohio to drive a camp. I drove around, you know, put so many miles on my own car just to get a run, you know, help the kids, you know, they want to go take a visit, go on a visit, get around coaching staffs, um, you know, go to the socials. In Houston, there's a social every uh, every year, you know, Rice puts on one. I think it's the Clear Creek guys put on one, you know, for all the Houston area coaches and the guys who recruit the area. Go out, be seen, get to, be, be seen in front of some of these staffs. Go visit. Texas State, we have an open door policy. Come on up. Get your name in front of uh, some coaches. Let them know your knowledge. Let them see you. One big thing that helped me was being a recruiting coordinator. If you don't want to have one at your school and you want to be a uh, college coach, become the recruiting coordinator. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that helped me out tremendously. I came in Angleton. I, I was recruiting coordinator. Basically, started their recruiting program from scratch. I went on Twitter, made me a Twitter. Finally, every college coach in the country I could find. Following like 2,000 people. They would, they would follow me back, boom. Hey, coach, hey, how you doing? I got this kid. I, hey, would you mind checking him out? They, 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 were, they follow back, message them, follow up on them, build meaningful relationships. Don't just, hey, I talked to this coach and then get his number and never talk to him. Build meaningful relationships. That's, 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 you know, as past football, hit them up, ask them how they're doing, how their game's going. Build meaningful relationships that way. Also, if you are a recruiting coordinator, if you know guys in college you want to get in, let them know you want to get in. 
Let them know, hey, coach, I'm looking to get into college, man. If you hear anything, keep my name in mind. Boom, boom, boom. And, and they'll do that. That's how I got, you know, one of, uh, some opportunities before uh, this one, you know, that I have. I didn't personally get them, but I should have had interviews because I told the guy, hey, coach, that um, I want to get in. And then when, when you do something, make sure you're doing everything you do uh, in the in the best to best of your ability, whether it's your recruiting, recruiting coordinator, make sure that your prospect list is good. Make sure that you're you got. A, I used to have a recruiting folder. The head coach name, my name on it, nice fancy. It had a transcription. It had player profiles in it, and it had a prospect sheet. Everything you do, try to be a champion at it. Also, never never treat every coach that you meet that's coming in your school. Uh, treat them treat them like the head coach at uh, freaking New England Patriots. Because you never know what a guy's where he's going to be at. Some guys come in, you know, guy might be like a, a D3 coach, and you know, oh, it's a D3 coach, they want to show time. So, on the same time, I've seen a guy within the span of two or three years go from a D2 corner coach to a 1AA corner coach to a Division one corner coach. <laughs> you, guys move up, man. You, you right. never know who's going to be where. Right. So you want to treat every, you want to treat, treat everybody the same. And, and it's funny to say this. Treat every every opportunity like a business interview. Do everything professional. How, it's funny how I got my GA job was. Um, I didn't know anybody on the on the Texas Tech staff. I met Coach Patterson probably two years ago at a Long Star Clinic. Got his number. Really didn't keep in contact with him. Was a father of mine. They came up to the school. They were recruiting some of my guys. And uh, probably came two or three times. But in North Shore, so many college coaches come by, you don't even really pay no mind. You just do your job. So I'm I'm going to oh also go to ASCA. So that's uh, the other part of my story. Go to ASCA. So I'm at ASCA, and I know one of my defensive linemen is going up there. I see uh, Coach Patterson, and I just say, let me speak to him. Chop him up. Chop it up with him. Speak to him. Uh, you know, talk to him. Um, he, he said, hey, man, I seen you at uh, Northwood. You did a great job with those kids. Asked if they had a GA spot open. He said, yeah, we actually do. I love the work that you did, man. Your passion. Uh, you had those kids, they were doing special teams meetings. Y'all were out there for, you know, when they were doing special teams meetings, just getting in a little extra drills. He said, I love, you know, what you do. Okay. I want to introduce you to our D-line coach. I went to a Texas uh, coaching clinic social that night. Uh, the D-line coach wasn't there. Coach Patterson, hey, let me give you my new number. Hey, we're going to come by in the spring, and uh, I'm going to bring him by and introduce you. And I went back. I said, okay, that's cool. Coach Woods just happened to be speaking the next morning. Woke up at like 7 o'clock in the morning. Went to the hearing speak. Came early. Coach Patterson's there with the defensive line coach. We talked. We talked. Uh, coach Woods going to speak. I interviewed with the D-line coach after. We stayed in contact for about two weeks. I get a job. Boom, here I am. So you just never, never, you never know who's watching you and what you're doing. You do, when you think nobody's watching, I had no clue that, that he was there watching, watching me get those drills in. And boom, you know, just being professional, doing things, you know, the right way. And end up giving me the opportunity, you know, uh, uh, to get into college coaching. Also, I would say you ne- never get discouraged. I probably had three or four opportunities to get in, end up getting a job. And the year, this probably is worth the year I at least looked for a college job, and boom, I had a couple options to get in. You just, you got to keep the faith. If it's something you want to do, you just got to keep doing it, keep the faith. When it's your time, it's your time. I'm a firm believer in that. And God's time is perfect. And when, when it's supposed to happen for you, it will happen for you. Great uh, advice for for guys who are who are wanting to do what you're doing, and that's be a, be a college coach. And and really, what it sounds like you're saying is, is you know, put yourself out there and look for opportunities to to build those relationships with those college coaches. But then also, it boils down to do your job that you have now the best that you can do. Because if you're not handling your job well and you're not doing the responsibilities that you have right now currently, 
the best that you can do, then then it's really hard for guy for you to expect you know some college coach to want to give you more responsibility on that level. Great advice, coach, for for uh, for guys who are wanting to uh, to break into the next level. What are some some things that you've learned in this first semester? You just ra- uh, wrapped up spring ball, so now that you have a few months there under your belt, what are some things that you've learned since you've been there? Oh, I've learned that, you know, the grind is the grind, you know, whether it's high school or college. Um, I, I got offered a job on a Friday, came up on a Tuesday. You know, I finished the first six weeks at, uh, you know, in high school and came up. Uh, got, 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 just jumped straight into it. Uh, got working a lot. Um, got, got put to work, you know, doing different things. The best way I can describe it is, it's like everything that, uh, that I did as a high school coach on Saturday and Sunday, to prepare for for the game, it's the same thing I do as a GA. It's just not all day, every day. Um, you know, Coach Patterson is a great DC man. Get to learn from him. He is a former high school coach. He was high school coach for 15 years, so he gets it. You know, he's not one of them old. I'm a Power Five DC. No, nah, he's a. Hey, I'm, I'm a. Uh, I'm a coach from Oklahoma, and I love talking ball. Coach Randolph, Paul Randolph, man, he's a, he's a great guy. Great energy, you know. I, I learned I have to have my energy up every day just to match his. But he he's so energetic and so passionate about it. I've learned, you know, about coverages as a D line guy. I've only coached D line, so um, I had a blinders when he hey, just focus on D line, D line. That's been lifted, and I've I've been able to gain a whole new knowledge and aspect of every part of the defense: the coverages, the linebackers, the corners, the safeties. Just you know, able to understand the whole whole scheme of the defense, not just my my position specific. Because, you know, we, we run we're, – we're, 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 we're a multiple off-front attacking style defense. We got uh, not only D-linemen in our room, but we have the outside linebacker. So you just can't know the D-line stuff. You got to know the drops. You got to know the coverage. You got to know hook. You know, hook off a two, three wall, three vertical, all of that. Because you got to be able to teach those guys that. And when they want to come in and talk to you, you got to be able to go on the board and teach them these different coverages, these different drops, the different blitz pass. You know, and things like that. So I, I've I've learned and became a, and still in the process of becoming a true student of the game when it comes down to it. It's you know it's, it's been it's been a great experience, man, just to get an immersion in football all day. Well, coach, talk about that. You bringing that up, and and that's true. You you have a lot of these guys who are defensive line guys, and we live and breathe defensive line, and. And when we spend most of the time staring at the butts of four dudes or three dudes, however many it is, you know, down in the stance and barking at them. And we can talk the front and even maybe in the front seven all, all day long. But when it gets to the cover stuff, that's where sometimes we can find some holes in our game. So what's the best way for guys, defensive line guys, to, to basically zoom, zoom out a little bit and learn the whole defense? How did you do it and what's, how would you suggest other guys do it? And yeah, I'm still in the process of doing it. I'm, like you said, I was guilty of doing that. It was just concentrating on looking at three or four guys that I had. But one thing I got some good advice is try to learn the whole defense. So one thing I used to do um, with RDC, and I was in Angleton, uh, our corner coach, Coach Mack, who's now at Adobe, I used to say, we used to just come together, and he'd be like, hey, man, you teach me the front, I'm going to teach you secondary. And I would just coach him like I'm coaching the freshman. He'd get up and coach me like I'm a freshman learning the secondary. So I would go clinics. I don't. I try not to go to D line anymore. I try to go. I go to one D line. I'm gonna go to an office alignment. Or I'm gonna go to a secondary one. I'm gonna go to a linebacker one. Just get the experience because everybody. We all. We gonna all try to stay in what our comfort zone is. But to learn and truly understand everything, you, I feel like you got to get out and just and just learn the different positions. 
talk to other people. I'm blessed to have Coach Randolph. He's a defensive line guy. He's been a defensive line guy the majority of his career, but he was the defensive coordinator at Rice, and he played linebacker. So he understands uh, the secondary and, and the linebackers. He challenges me. Hey, he's like, oh, well, no, just get in here and, and just sit here and learn the D-line. Learn everything. Ask questions. I try to ask him questions. If I don't understand some of the coverage, ask him. He'll sit down and go through it with me. So never be afraid to ask anything when it comes to football so that you can know it all. So that's that's one thing I would say. Ask questions. Get out your comfort zone. Talk to you. Talk to the DB guys and your staff. I'm pretty sure most DB guys, just like, you know, where they, they watching guys back to them, they want to learn about the front. Yeah. Just ask them and trade, trade yeah. information, trade knowledge. That's one thing I would do, especially in the offseason. Just sit down with the DB guys and say, hey, uh, how, how does this work? What is this coverage? What are you teaching them? What do you tell them? Um, well, another aspect is I'm recruiting now, so I, you know, I look. It's not just the line. I got like a linebacker, secondary. I go look some DBs up. I go watch it with the DB coaches and say, "Hey, coach, coach me up what you look for in DB, so I know when I'm watching, evaluating the guy's tape, what I can look for, so I can look at it through your eyes. Right. So I'll know, you know, what what are the traits that you like." So I can try to bring guys that you know that you want to get, and, and, they'll, and they'll break it down to you. They'll talk talk you through it, and that's that's a big thing. Just ask questions and try to see it from a different perspective uh, than than you normally do. Yeah, yeah, coach. That's that's a great point. That you know, going to to clinics and and looking up stuff online is great. But yeah, you can, we can all start with just go go to that DB's coach because again, he's in the same position as we are, uh, wanting to learn the whole defense for the more than likely. And so that's a great place to start. So talk to us about your responsibilities there at Tech as a defensive GA. What is it you're doing on a daily basis? Uh, and now, especially now that spring ball is wrapped up, what are you going to be doing from now to, uh, on into the summer? So in general, I'm, I'm going to start, you know, with the sporting those versions and break down a little bit more what I do. But the basic job as a GA is to make sure that the coach that you're working with, make sure he's good. So I work with Coach Randolph. He's the defensive line coach. I make sure he's good. So the cut-ups. Practice plans, uh, you know, make sure, you know, he hey, he covers this in the meeting, have his meeting set up, you know, um, get the film, whatever, you know, whatever he needs for his meeting and get his day going, make sure I have that. Then you go check with the D.C., make sure he's straight, even though he has a guy, you know, make sure he's straight. Then make sure the D.B. coach is straight. And once everybody else is good, then you make sure the offensive coach is straight. So always looking for work. And right now, like in the spring, now we're transitioning more from you know, from coaching to actually doing some more stuff. We're starting to break down opponent film, our first, uh, you know, first couple of opponents, breaking down their games. You know, I, I'm a defensive line guy, so I input run, blocking protection, you know, which gap the ball is hitting in, things like, things of those natures. We got uh, exit means with the uh, the players. I got this 13 defensive linemen. They have the player evaluation sheet. They fill out where they think they are. They give it to me. I, I type it in electronically. The, the defensive line coach, Coach uh, Randolph, meets with him. He he writes up an evaluation for them. I gotta type it up. They they go meet over it. I get their type of information to the DC. Once they meet with the position coach, they meet with the DC. Once they meet with the DC, then they meet with the head coach. So it's more of you know just more of a making sure everything right now, making sure everything is good for the summer. Uh, writing up scripts, you know, you know, uh, like hey, if, if they got like a running some running going on, okay, hey, we might just get in the formation and. And like we're covering the pass play and take off running from there just to keep football in the mind. So a lot of more dealing with the small things of, you know, football and making sure that's all good right now. So as you've been watching all this film, 
and, and, and then also going against your own offense there at Tech. Uh, and at, you're at a school that's that's known for a great offense, and, and in particular air raid offense. And then you're in a conference that is uh, one of the most innovative offensive conferences in the nation. Uh, so as you're watching film, what are some things that you've seen from these offenses that you've picked up on that have impressed you? Man, our offense, uh, you know, our, our whole offensive staff came from Utah State, and these guys go fast, and I say fast, I'm not even doing it justice by saying this fast on the phone. They led the nation last year in offensive touchdowns, under, offensive touchdown drives under one minute. So those guys, they wow. get up and go quick. And one thing I noticed, I mean, those guys are in shape, they're conditioned, they communicate well, and, and if they if they catch a slipping, they can get tired. Where they have you know a big play or some success to move the ball, it's tempo tempo. Right now they're going fast, so seeing seeing things like that, hey, you know if you if you can slow them down and, and get some stops, then, then the tempo will slow down. But you know if you're giving up four or five yards to play, that tempo is going to boom. But they're going to go up and down the field. Body language, we tell we tell our kids about body language. We show no signs of weakness. You, if you bent over, you got your hands on your head. There's an offensive coordinator. Or there's a GA like myself, or there's a position coach in the box saying, "Hey, hey, no, hey, number 95, hey, he's bent over, coach. Hey, let's pick it up, let's go fast. Hey, that corner, he's walking back to the line. Hey, he's right. not getting down in the stance no more. Hey, let's let's attack, let's pick it up. So that's one thing that we try to focus on is being mentally and physically in shape and showing no signs of weakness, so that you, you when the offensive coordinator sees us, everybody's in the stands, got our pads rolled toward the toward the offensive saying." Oh man, those guys are like they're ready to play. We better, we better bring our A game today. Well, coach, as we sort of transition into talking some some football stuff, so yeah, with, with that in mind, with with your offense and it's seeming seemingly every offense in the Big Twelve at least going at warp speed, is it possible for defensive linemen to still be effective? I mean, I know that I know the answer is yes, but how do you get those guys to do that? How do you get them to still be uh, effective? When they are, um, as soon as that ball is down, they're lined up and, and snapping it and running again. Okay, so the things we do is work on mental and physical conditioning. Because when they're going fast, you got to get the call fast. So we got to call defense fast. Get your eyes to the spot and get lined up and get in the good stance. One thing that they're going to try to do is, you know, run the defense line to sideline to sideline, uh, quick screens, stretch plays, outside zone, read option, trying to get the defensive lineman moving and tired and getting get your focus off. So we try to tell them, hey, dial in, lock in, concentrate on your job and do your job. If the ball's hitting outside, okay, well if, if you're fitting your beat out, then you're doing your job. You just got you can't get tired of doing your job over and over again and running to the ball. Because I tell them, yeah, you'll get two, three more tackles a game just hustling to the ball. And when you get population to the ball, good things happen. So just stay on about being in shape mentally and physically and playing as hard as you can. When, uh, when when you're in, that's what we're, we're, we're conditioning our guys to play 10 to 15 snaps in a row. So you got to eat right. You can't only eat right. You got to um, take care of your body. You got to lift right. You got to live right. So just, just doing those things will pay big dividends when it comes to those uh, up up tempo and fast paced offenses. They're trying to get you to go fast so you can stay simple. So play fast, make your fit. If the ball is going to turn and run to the ball, and you can still be effective. Uh, in, in playing defensive line and no no huddle and up tempo offenses. Hey, you get a negative play, you get a tackle for long, I bet the offense will slow down then. That's one of the things we try to keep in mind. You make a play and it'll slow down. Yeah, that's great motivation for those big guys up front is man, get it win first and second down and that that thing will slow down a little bit. 
Uh, yep. You talk, you mentioned that the the point of that is of going at warp speed. Part of it is to keep offenses in uh, in really a vanilla scheme. So, how how do you keep from just staying vanilla and letting offenses pick you apart? How are you? How do you? How do you change up your 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 looks in order to keep pace with the offense, but yet still keep it simple to where you can get the call and 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 line up right and 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 uh, be effective. So most offenses they go tempo because they want you to stay simple. We go fast and you can't do your different blitzes, different packages. Right. One thing I like about Coach Patterson is he says, I'm never going to let the offense dictate to me what's going to happen. I'm going to dictate to them what they're going to do. So, you know, we, we switch up, we switch up our, you know, switch up our looks, do different things like that, send different uh, packages, you know, based on, you know, the opponent, what they're trying to do, what they love to do when they go uh, tempo. Because if you break down the film, most often, if you, when they go fast, they only have a certain amount of plays that they run when they go fast. It's not a vast library of what they do. So just identifying what they like to do, have our kids understand it. And the biggest thing when it comes to tempo, hey, switch up our look, get to where you're supposed to be, line up, get in a good stance, and play fast. Yeah. Get up, they're going to they call offense fast. They're going to call defense fast. Get your call, line up, get where you're supposed to be, and get your assignment, and the rest will take care of itself. And, you know, and people try, you know, try to disguise, and they, and they get caught. Never, you never sacrifice sacrifice your alignment for your assignment. You got to get to where your assignment's going to be, and let the rest of it take care of itself. Or just going to getting in good stance every place, get lined up. Because most of the, uh, the notes, the up tempo, the way they get you is they get you to bust the coverage. They're going so fast. The guy who's supposed to have the deep half at safety, he messes up. He doesn't get the call. He can't think because he's tired. Instead of getting a deep half, he goes over to the third. Boom! They hit you for a big play and bust the coverage. Yeah. So just getting lined up. And, and, and focusing on the details of what you're supposed to do every play is one of those things that we focus on. Let's talk about pass rush. You know, when, you, when you're facing these offenses that are going warp speed and they're using a lot of quick game, as you said, to wear the offense uh, out and move them, getting them uh, moving side to side, sideline to sideline, how, how do you coach up your pass rush to be effective against, against tempo offenses? What are some things y'all are doing, some drills you're using to, to uh, coach up pass rush? Okay, one of the big things are, especially a lot of offense, they go up tempo, they go quick game. So we work on long arm, get a long arm in, it collapses the pocket, not giving the quarterback vision, and mirror hand. Uh, one of the best years we do is a mirror hand drill, where we give up the offensive lineman, we'll press on them, the quarterback takes his hand off the ball, we get our hand up, and we find the ball. That, that we that is really extremely effective when it comes to quick game balls coming out quick and normally at lower trajectories and we try to tell them a hey, brace yourself and then find the ball and be conscious of the defense. We did a study where it, it was crazy. It was like 50 percent of the balls that the quarterback passes exit out the B gap. So find that B gap bubble and, and get your hand up in it. Uh, we work on whether it's going to be deep set or quick set with the offensive alignment. If they if they do set, then we can work on our speed to power. Uh, we can work on our chop dip rip. We can work on our uh, our rake, our rake and uh, rake and flip our hips, turn the corner. Okay, if it's gonna be quick game, and we'll work we'll work a long arm, we'll work a bull, we'll work an arm over something quick. We'll work a little bo- a bob spot, something that can give us a chance to win at the line of scrimmage. Quick, depending on what we're getting from the sets, whether it be deep sets, uh, quick sets, whether it's five step drop, three step drop, you know, or seven depending on that. Yeah, Coach, well, let's talk about that long arm because I, that's something that, that I know that we have really, uh, in, in this, this offseason, focused on uh, working that with, with our guys because it really is a simple rush and it keeps their, that outside half free and allows them to use the, allows that defensive lineman to use the offensive lineman to help turn the corner and bend 
And so how are you coaching up that, that, uh, that long arm? Where are they punching? Walk me through that. It collapses the pocket. It keeps your outside half free. You have both inside and outside counters with it. And if, if you if you got a guy who's strong or a guy who's fast, it could be a lethal weapon. So yeah. we teach we teach that you want to make contact with the offensive lineman's inside pick to right down the middle of his framework with your uh, thumb up, elbow extended, eyes below your hands. It's all about leverage. So when you strike him, I say, hey, put the long in his life. You hit that, you plant off that outside foot, and you get you get your pads underneath your hands, and you strike him and lock him out. You can get him back on the seat. Okay, if, if you get past the quarterback, you can long punch where you strike him with the long arm with the inside hand, punch inside with uh, with your outside hand, and uh, and come underneath on the quarterback. Or if you get up the field and try to push your pad, you can long spin, spin back to the quarterback. Um, you can long, you can long bull. It's, it's a lot of different stuff. You can you can long you can flash a, a long arm and, and, and get a two get his wrist come over the top. There's a there's a lot of different things you can do that. But I tell I tell them that about long arm. It's all about locking that elbow out, getting your thumb up, hitting them in the right area, and your leverage. If your leverage is not proper, if you're trying to hit a long arm standing straight up, and your head's above your arm, it'll never work. That's a, that's about a, it's a leverage move, and that's and, and that's one thing I try to teach, uh, especially my outside guys. It's a great move, you know, to keep the quarterback contained also while getting a pass rush. Yeah. Yeah, Coach, and I like it because it's it's a great move for, for those guys who, for me anyway, that's this is the kind of kids we have. They may, maybe not be uh, quite as athletic and, and not as good as all the hand-fighting stuff. They're not as they're not real good at that, but the, you can teach them a long armor. They're just punching, and then all those counters that you're using that you would normally use, like you just mentioned, are available to them using that using that one move. And so, especially if you have some longer, lankier kids, like we have, we have some of those. Uh, that's a good move because that you keep those offensive linemen out of their chest and 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 and, and keep them from just flying up the field past the quarterback. So, yeah, I forgot to mention about the about my bad. I mean, no, 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 go ahead. About the long arm is we tell them, hey, attack them and protect your pick. So don't just get in there with your, you know, with your shoulder square. Turn and lengthen that arm and make it a true long arm. Protect your inside pick because if you hit them square, you know they can still grab your shoulder, you grab your shoulder pad. Yeah. And you want to attack them. You want to turn your shoulder away and protect that pick to protect your pick uh, from that offensive lineman. I love it for speed guys. I had a guy on uh, the North Shore my first year named Levon Coleman. He was strong, but he and he would you know his power from speed. He'll get off that edge. He'll plant that outside foot. He'll put that long arm in the offensive lineman chest, and you could score. He bench a thousand pounds just because he was generating so much power because of his speed. Yeah, so that's why I, I love that move. That, that, that's one of my. My favorite, if not my favorite, pass rush move is a long one. Well, well, for sure, it's one that I, I've uh, again watching videos and stuff in the off season is is something that we are definitely emphasizing more this off season, and one I see us using a lot more this next year. Well, let me ask you this: does it do, does it do any good to sometimes not rush those those defensive linemen, especially if they're going up tempo, and maybe spy the quarterback and, and it, with, with y'all running an odd front, sending an outside backer to rush instead? Is that is that a an, an option? Yeah, there is merit to that depending on you know, which backer you're you're sending. And, uh, you know, and especially if you know the nose, uh, it's going to be a double team. There's some merit to mirror the quarterback, um, you know, depending on the situation. But one thing I don't like to do, I, I like to continue to rush the quarterback. Uh, when it comes down to it, I feel like most of these quarterbacks nowadays are, are really, really good passers. And by not rushing, you're giving a guy who's a good passer more, more time and more opportunity 
to do what he does best, which is sit back and pass the ball. Right. So I tell him, like, no, nah, right, we, we, we ain't going to let the quarterback get back, back there and comb his hair. We're going to get after him. He, he's going to feel some pressure. He's going to feel some intensity. We're not just going to let him out there, file his taxes, put his W-2 in, and do all that. <laughs> no, we're going to get after him and make him uncomfortable. Because a lot of those tempo offense, if you talk about offensive coaches, it's about timing. If yes. you disrupt their timing, yeah. you disrupt their play. So we don't we uh you know we we do we go do we'll do some back and things like that. We always want to keep them guessing. Like we will spy him, then we'll send him back off the edge, or hey, we'll send both backers and then we'll pop the nose out and he'll spy the quarterback, look for no hole, look for drags and things like that. Yeah. So we'll we'll do something. We'll switch it up. It's not just so they uh, don't know where they're going. And the big thing a lot of guys don't realize is often sometimes they go no huddle, they'll set up. And then the guy who there's, you know, because once they serve, they got to open it up for everybody. They, once they open it up, they got sprinting on full speed. They got sprinting off full speed. When they open it up, you don't have to be in a rush to get on the field. Because right. they open it up, they're going to give you time to get there. That's your time for everybody to catch up, you know, get you a nice little jog on and off because they got to keep it open, you know, for the defensive serve as the offensive serve. Right, right. Well, and you mentioned uh, about the timing deal. And that was right goes right into where I was what I was about to talk about next is that it's not necessarily all about sacks, that it's 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 about affecting the quarterback, getting him maybe throwing off his back foot, throwing the ball sooner than he wants to, throwing a high ball, forcing a ball into a tight spot. So you're right. Any time that we can as, as as defensive linemen just affect the quarterback, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's gonna you know it doesn't necessarily mean a sack, but if we can affect that quarterback, then that's then we're doing our job. Let's talk about some drills that y'all use. Uh, in in practice to to teach that pass rush, what are some things you're doing with both your inside and outside guys to to teach pass rush? Okay, uh, we we use uh, uh, the pop up bags. Uh, we use those to work, you know, chop dip rip. Uh, we use those to work bob squat. You know, just work on attacking the offensive lineman on the edge, not down the middle. But work on threading the edge, making the offensive lineman feel threatened. Did I could go either way? You know, we we play fours, fives. Things of that nature, working on a, a you know, you got to contain the quarterback, but sometimes, hey, you got to come inside too to make the offensive line for extension inside move. Uh, we work on, we get the uh, shields, we we get launch pads, we work on the long arm, you know, find our stance, two steps, playing so we get the hand placement, get that leverage, and we feel that pop. So we use uh, the shields for that. Uh, we use, I guess, what you would call like a post mount. It's like we got it on a wheel. And it's like a pop. It's not like a, uh, a pop up with two long arms on it. We uh-huh. just work hand games with that. Um, you know, working on our combos, one twos, uh, the swipe, the scissors. We work on what we call a two. It's where you either put a long in the chest or you flash a long. You come out, you pin his elbow, flip your hips out. Um, we work. Um, what else? We do, we do a lot. We get boxing gloves on where we let the linemen sit there and jab each other with boxing gloves. You got to keep your hands up. Be violent, quick with your hands. To make sure you're not getting jabbed in the face. If you're slow with your hands or you're fast with your hands and you're not violent with them, you're going to get jabbed in your face mask and it, and it hurts a little bit. So work on Just work on them guys using their hands. Uh, we work on, um, you know, what we call tag. We get in our stance and the offensive lineman is about five yards off. He kick steps. You know, we just work on gaining ground, getting to that upfield shoulder, yeah. working half a man, working on our steps, making sure that. Uh, when we're inside and we got to go outside contain, we work on pushing off the inside and outside foot so we convert the pass rush. We're not crossing over. So those are a lot of the little things that we do to, to work on pass rush on a daily basis. Well, Coach, going back to when you were in high school and you were coaching up your high school guys, 
Uh, you mentioned several pass rush moves there. Uh, how many pass rush moves were your guys taking uh, with them into a game? Hey, I, I tell them, hey, to be a successful high school lineman, in my opinion, you need two moves. You need a dominant move and a counter off that move. Okay? You need one good move and a counter. Okay, like my defensive lineman, Tony Brad, who's coming up here to uh, to North Shore. Okay? He, he, he had a long arm or, you know, a power bull, and then he had – he had the he had the Bob Swat arm over, so he'll get in the chest, get in the chest, get in the chest. Now you're leaning forward, the hip arm over Bob Swat, give some quick and be and be and be past you in a hurry. So just knowing how to how an offensive lineman is, knowing when to set up your move, knowing hey, is he a puncher? Is he a grabber? Is he a vertical setter? Is he a quick setter? Um, is he is he a leaner? Is he a puncher? Listen, know those different things. I try to get my guys, you know, see what see what they do. Learn what their best move is and try to develop them. If a kid can handle more, then I give him more tools for his belt. But I always try to get kids, you know, not overcomplicated. You know, right. hey, get your move, get your counter move, and if you can handle more, I will give you more. But if you if you if you can't if you can't master one move and a counter move, then all the other stuff, in my opinion, is, is unnecessary. You got to get that before you can add the rest of the tools to your belt. Yeah, yeah, coach. I asked that question and I, and I kind of thought that would be your answer, and I, and I think. You would probably agree that, you know, as defensive line coaches, we teach our guys a lot of things. We give them a lot of tools, as you said, tools for their toolbox, and then it's sort of up to them and maybe us too, uh, especially with high school guys, to kind of help them decide, hey, here's your best move and here's your counter move off of that. Go with that and perfect that. And then once we get that down and you feel really, really good about that, maybe you can add a couple things here and there, a couple uh, nuances to it. But, yeah, you're right. I think sometimes uh, kids and and even us coaches can be guilty of giving – you know, too, putting too much on them and giving all these cool moves, and and they can't do any of them very, you know, very good. They're, you know, a jack of all trades, master of none, and they'd be much better off just being yeah, really correct. good at one move and a counter move off of it. Yeah, and one thing to elaborate on that is got to get the kids to believe. Like I would come in pass rush, my kids would get mad at it, but they would thank me at the end. When we go to pass rush, I would tell them, hey, you working these two, you working these one to two moves today. Yeah, and, you know, and you go against office alignment in the spring and in the fall camp. You know, it'll work the first couple of times you do it, but you know, you know, as, as we watch tape, they watch tape and they scout your moves, and and they want to worry about winning every winning every one on one. I try to tell them, hey, it's not about winning every, you know, it's about winning, but it's about working your craft. Exactly. I'm not trying to get you to beat this guy right now. The I'm trying to get you to perfect this move. So when we play week 12, the guy you're going against then, you have your your move perfected. It's about practicing and getting better. So yeah, he knows it's coming. How big you? How good do you think you are? If you can go up this offensive line, he know what move is coming. You still can't stop it. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to get you to develop, and then just get that mindset. Hey, trust in it, believe it. I know what I'm doing. It's working. And once they work it, work it, work it, and once they see uh, rewards coming along, uh, it's it's nice day, and, and they understand uh, what you're talking about. Yeah, coach. I mean, that's it. That's it. And 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 like you said, it's it's sort of like um, you know sometimes guys getting getting fed up in seven on seven about not being able to stop stuff or or whatever. But really, that's you're not trying to you're not doing things to win that drill necessarily. Uh, it's you got to think about the bigger picture, and it's the same thing when you go one on ones with the offensive line. It's not like you said. It's not necessarily about winning that matchup, and, which is why it's good. Like you said, that's a good point for to 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 tell your guys that hey, look, you're going to work this move. You know, this is what we're gonna, what we're seeing out of these offensive linemen this week. So we're going to work these these moves, and that's it. And and you know, and those kids might get frustrated, but it's but again, it's about getting them out of their comfort zone and 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 really perfecting that 
pass rush and their counter off of it. And with the one-on-ones, I try to teach my kids to be understand the game. A one-on-one pass rush is different than when you're actually in the game and pass rushing. Yeah. The offensive linemen are set. They don't move. When, when it's a real play, you got three or four guys rushing. Those gaps expand, so you have a little bit more room than you actually get in one-on-one to rush the passer because, because you know, the, the scheme and, and those guys will be setting out, and you got different guys rushing, so the space will be different. So just trying to get those guys to understand. Like, Coach, I keep bumping into the tackle on one-on-one. Yeah, because the tackle's still right there. When we go live, I got an end rushing off the edge. You're going to have to expand to get exactly. out there and get that end. If you don't, then we're going to get pretty sacked all day. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Well, with the time we have left, let's let's talk a little bit of run game stuff. So again, as you are watching film this this past spring and and looking at, at your own guys, and your own offense, plus as you get ready to break down some some uh, opponents that you have coming up this next year. What are some run plays, uh, some some things in the run game that you're seeing that you feel like it's going to be vital for your defense to be able to stop? In this conference, zone, both inside and outside, power and counter, and then the power read. Those are the, the runs that are showing up the most. you got to be able to fit counter. you got to be able to fit power. you got to be able to fill the correct gaps on zone. And you've and, and you got to be able to make sure that you got somebody for the quarterback and the running back or whichever guy they have involved in the power read. Those are the main things I'm seeing when I watch tape. Well, Coach, we could spend another two or three hours just talking about defending those those few plays right there. But I guess give us a quick rundown of of how you coach your guys up to you know let's let's start with zone and counter. Let's do those two since you mentioned those. Let's talk about zone and counter. How are you uh, teaching your front guys to to fit those up? What are there? What are some coaching points there? So mine, and I'm just gonna talk about me personally because uh, we teach a little bit different at Tech than I taught it uh, when I was you know the, the coach. I teach I teach guys for you know for any kind of block. I, we identify blocks in three ways. Okay, it's going to either be aggressive block, a non-aggressive block, or hi hat, which is a pass. Okay, and the basic way to defend these is the same. Okay, so for uh, aggressive block, I, t- I say aggressive block is any block that threatens your gap. That's an aggressive block. Okay, I tell them the first thing you got to do in an aggressive block is, hey, you got to get hands on the man, get your hands inside and on the man. Okay, the second thing you got to do. Is create a new line of scrimmage, you know, which is one to two yards behind the ball, and then keep your outside arm and leg free. And so if I'm a three technique and the guard's inside of me, any movement toward my gap, any block that threatens my gap is an aggressive block. I'm going to get hands on them. I'm going to get my back, create a new line of scrimmage, and keep my outside arm and leg free. Okay, so that's an aggressive block. Then the second one is a non-aggressive block. A non-aggressive block is any block that does not threaten my gap. So if I'm in that same three and that guy steps down, that's a non-aggressive block. The way that we defend a non-aggressive block is hands on the man. And that's the first thing. Whatever we're going to do, we always get hands on somebody. Uh, unless we're blitzing, you know, we don't want to get caught up. Always get hands on somebody. And the second thing you're doing a non-aggressive block is get your eyes inside, okay? Because if somebody blocks down on you, you know, you you are a 6'3", 260-pound defensive lineman. They ain't just going to leave your block for no reason. You need to get your eyes inside and see if something's coming for you. If that's coming to kick you, uh, when you get your eyes inside, then you squat square, you, you squat, you stay square, and then you squeeze that block down because you're probably being red. And then the last one is a high hat, you know, then you get your pass rush move. One thing I try to do on the zone is make sure that your eyes are right, uh, that you get hands on the man, that you don't get hooked out your gap. And that's all the zone is, is just wait for you, uh, somebody to get hooked out the gap and the running back to cut through it. So just be aggressive, set the edge quick, get knocked back, 
and uh, and kick and kick the ball from uh, from hitting sideline to sideline, set the edge quick on, on the zone. And on the, on the counter, is make sure that you're seeing the pulls. If you get the back block, don't let the pulls coming. Uh, you work over the top of the pool, work underneath the pool, whichever one uh, that you're teaching for that week, uh, and make sure that you. Uh, we don't say spill anymore, that you splatter that guy who's coming to kick you. That means I want to stay thick and square on the inside of ha- half of his body and work up the field, try to get a two-for-one, uh, try to uh, make the ball bounce uh, to one of our scraping backers and keep myself alive and have myself a chance to make the play. Now, why? Uh, that, that, that's interesting. Why splatter instead of spill? So, a lot of times with the spill, and, and I, I'm a spill guy by heart. Like North Shore last year, we spilled. Um, and, and when we do it a little different, uh, I think it's a little bit different. The splatter is because when you splatter, you get the same thing with the spill. You just keep your thing, you keep yourself alive and able to make a play. Uh, whereas you spill, you kind of giving yourself up. Right. With offensive line, if you if you spill, you don't get a two for one. Then you get just with the offensive lineman, I mean, the offensive coordinator wanted. He draws up on the board. He wants a one for one block. You're more likely to keep yourself alive in a splatter. If, if it's taught the right way, then the spill, the spill, you're giving yourself up. You know, always, uh, you know, keep yourself alive. Whereas you splatter, you can still get thick on the inside, still make it bounce, but keep yourself alive to, uh, to make a uh, play yourself. So does that mean I'm not, I'm not necessarily putting my shoulder pad on his thigh pad or whatever, but I'm, I'm more just more or less running through him and trying to get that tackle also that's coming behind him? Yes, it's like trapping the trapper. I'm yeah. coming hard and square. I see you coming. I'm coming, aiming for your inside half. Had hands getting thick on your inside half, splattering you, knocking you back from the inside out, working up the field. Okay, that's, yeah. that's what the splatter yeah. is. With, with the spill is the same thing. Where I'm coming down that line, I'm just I'm a long shoulder, right? Long, long shoulder rip and get vertical up the field. Right. You know, same concept, just different way to do it. Right, right. Yeah, it's just a, it's a subtle thing, but it's a, yeah, there's a there's a big difference in that, and that's a way to buy yourself back. Uh, to help out uh, in, in that play. So that's that's a great, great use of terminology. I like that. I, I'm probably going to steal that. Uh, okay, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about power and power read. Power read is a tough play, especially when, uh, again, you take a conference like the Big 12 where you have, a, you have it seems like, mobile quarterbacks every week. So t- talk me through those two real quick, power and power read. Power uh, kind of goes under the – Hey, the, the the spill and splatter concept. Right. Power reads a little different now. Uh, with 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 those, you that you got to get a lot of reps on that because they'll pull that guard, they'll block down. They're really reading the end. If the end doesn't see it right, or he gets up the field, then he'll get kicked by that guard. And now you got your your out your backer who's scraping over the top of the queue, and your defensive end outside for kick block, and that quarterback will hit it right underneath. So it's it's just a lot of reps on stand flat down the line. Understand is he pull is he pulling to avoid me or is he pulling to kick me? I think that's the biggest thing for the unblocked guy is seeing the pass of the puller. Because if a guy's coming for you, you'll be able to tell his intention is he coming for you. Just make sure that your eyes are in the right spot. You're not, you don't have your eyes in the backfield and watch all that misdirection, eye candy that the offense gives you. See your down block, squeeze it, get your eyes inside, see if that puller's coming for you or or he's avoid you. If you're deep at the end, you can either sit underneath and, and, and take the cue and make him hand it off. Or sometimes I've been a part of a where I get that down block, I see that mess, I'm going to attack that mess right now, mess charge. I'm, I'm going to make the quarterback make a decision right now and, and give up the ball or pull it and keep it. So it's just different, it's different ways you can do it just depending on who's the quarterback 
what your scheme is behind it, what your coverage is behind it. Right, right. Uh, it's a lot of different uh, ways to do it, and uh, I've been affected in different ways, but that's still that play. That's a tough play. If, you, if your eye discipline is wrong and you get somebody fit, fit wrong, that play can kill you. Yeah, you're right, Coach. That is one that's uh, given us some problems in years past, and and um, and again, you see it just continually being used in in all levels of football, and it's a, it's a really good play when when executed properly, and it's a tough play for for defenses for sure. A lot of that pottery stuff, I, you know. Somebody told me this, and I started to think about it, and it made sense. All all this spread pottery and and zone read is basically old school triple option wishbone, not from the gun. Where you're leaving guys unblocked, you're reading them. You got a dive man, you got a pitch man, you got a read man. You know, and it's it's the same thing just out of the shotgun now. So just like you do if you're playing split back beer and the quarterback pulls it, and hey, you got to know he can't know every time. Hey, this, hey, this guy's got the quarterback. This guy, the guy's got the pitch. You got to switch it up. Make your pitch man, your quarterback man. Sometimes make your quarterback man, your pitch man. So they never get a true feel. They got to be on what what you're gonna do. They know. Hey, every time I pull it, this guy's gonna squat. Every time this guy's right. gonna try on field, you're playing right to the offensive hand. Just keep him off balance. So that quarterback that's going so fast, he's gotta make a decision fast. If he already knows what decision he's gonna make, it makes it easier. You gotta make him think your process as well by switching it up, giving him different looks, uh, so he doesn't know what have a beat. Okay, I know this. Hey, this team they they sit the end every time. So I know what, I'm, I already kind of know what my reason to be. If that makes sense. No, exactly, Coach. You're right. That's that's a that's a great point. You got to be able to play it differently, uh, and and um, you know have a base way of doing it, but also have some wrinkles for for your game plan mm-hmm. that week, so the offenses aren't uh, just teeing off on you and using your scheme against you. As we get ready to wrap up, what's uh, one way you're looking to improve this off season? To continue to develop my, my game as a uh, as a as my, my game as coaching the pass rush. I was a three four nose in college. I feel like I, I have the run game down solid. Just keep expanding, you know, like you said with the quick game and the no huddle, just finding different ways to get after a quarterback. That's one thing that I want to continue to go on and continue to grow on my overall knowledge in uh in, in defense, in schemes, in linebacker play, in secondary play. And one big thing too is converting from from uh from a play action pass to an actual pass rush, playing from going to that run block where you get a run block, now you got to convert, convert, convert the pass, that pass rush conversion. Those will probably be the biggest things I work on this, this offseason. Sounds good, Coach. Coach O'Gwen, thanks so much for coming on and talking with us. Really enjoyed it. Just want to wish you the best of luck this next season at Texas Tech. I, I appreciate it, man. It was an honor to be on this show. I can't wait for the episode to come out and you know continue to listen to some of your great podcasts. Man. You do a great job. This is some good information that, you know, uh, the defensive line coaches all over the, you know, the state and country can hear. You know, you might think, oh, hey, this guy's a college coach, this guy's not. Ball is ball. If you go to clinic talk and you, you, you hear defensive line coaches talk, and we pretty much talk the same language, there might be different words to it, but it's the same language, man. If you got a dream, taste it. Thanks to Coach O'Gwen for stopping by to talk ball with us today. Give Coach O'Gwen a follow on Twitter, at CoachMikeOG. Our quote of the day is this, little things make a big difference. And be a good D lineman, you can't get tired of doing the little things over and over. I love that quote because no matter what it is you're doing today, you got to pay attention to the details and do the little things right. And if you don't want to wait a whole week for more great content revolving around defensive line play, then check out the new KYPD blog. There are articles on drills, program philosophy, leadership, and some stories you may find interesting. With content updated weekly, 
So check out the link to the KYPD blog on the show notes for this episode. And finally, please, coaches, please, whatever you do, keep your pads down.